Welcome to the Pocha Podcast at the intersection of assimilation and brown pride. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. And this is a new year, a 2022, that feels like a rerun, but it's a new <laughs> episodio, 34. At least that, Kat. At least that. We can feel it. We can see it. It is the rerun of, I don't even know what decade we're in, but it is a. Re it feels like a rerun. Um, yes, somebody was writing out 2022 as like 202 and then the word T-O-O. -O. <laughs> this is also 2020. <laughs> yes, that's how it feels. Yeah. Um, with some differences, right? Like at least we have we have some vaccines available. We have boosters available. We have people developing some immunity. Um, we've figured out how to live in a virtual world when necessary. But there's still a lot of things that come with surges and new variants and it's just exhausting and you're right we have learned how to do things in a virtual world as necessary because today we are virtual you and i <laughs> we as luck would have it Kat. yes we are we are on um we are on the same plane but far far away from each other because i have the vid i <sighs> Well, we are virtual, and I miss you. I'm giving you a virtual bocha hug, but that's where um, we're at now. Yes, it's where we're at. I am feeling much better. I'm on the upward swing of this thing, I hope, and have had really mild symptoms, and everyone else in the family is um, is doing okay. So here we are, Kat. <laughs> Episodio 34, ready to go. And with that, the things that we are looking at talking about in this episodio um, the No Sabo Kid as a rerun itself, <laughs> kind of. Um, of course, mm -hmm. if folks haven't seen it, we have a new movie out there that appeals to us called Encanto, and it was adorable. And in our uh, Que Hay De Nuevo, we will be talking about resolutions, goals, whatever you want to call them, why they might be important, and if you even do them. Mm -hmm. so, I like it. The No Sabo Kid. I yeah, I, you're the one who told me about this, and I because you are you are the goddess of TikTok. So uh, let me know how this came about for you, what it means to you, and then I have some thoughts. So I it it stumbled across my TikTok feed, and mm -hmm. I saw one video that was hashtag the No Sabo Kid, and the background of that. I don't know what the original TikTok was mm -hmm. or what. But it is someone who um, used saber. It's an irregular verb. So they used sabo instead of se, like yo se. Um, and so that term kind of caught fire where it was um, basically bocha, uh, the term that we grew up being identified as, but someone who is of lat latine heritage that doesn't speak Spanish at all or well and at least for Saber couldn't conjugate very well um, mm -hmm. so then I went down a, a TikTok rabbit hole and I started looking at all sorts of videos and I was like Charlene we have to talk about this because it's the new gen revamped Bocha 2.0 version mm -hmm. of of what we went through and there's a lot of you know shame and stigma videos um, and then there are some that were reclaiming and um, not reclaiming Nosavo, but definitely saying like, and you are 
uh, shaming us because what? Because our parents were shamed and stigmaed, and now they, you know, we are are the next generation of kids who have not um, been been taught Spanish for a reason. For in our parents' minds was the best way to assimilate into a new country where they came for a better life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you told me about this, and of and it is it, Spanish has the Spanish language, the conjugations can get super tricky. And when you have folks, you know, even that know zero Spanish, the the super gringo thing to do is add an O at the end of every word, like, oh, a doggo. And oh, oh, oh. so this is a combination of those two things, right? And it is, um, if, so I look up No Sabo Kid in Urban Dictionary, just it's it specifically says not even Latina descent, but Mexican descent um kids that either know very little Spanish or no Spanish at all and are just trying to have conversations with their parents or grandparents who are coming at them in Spanish and they're just like uh I have no idea what the hell you're saying and it is it's the new it's the new version of of bocha-ness right and um of course they they had to come and name it something else and hashtag it and do all the things that we didn't have when we were kids so I certainly fall uh, feel I feel this so bad because my child does not speak Spanish and it is um, a combination of reasons why but it certainly hits home for me when I think about you know I she was in a bilingual pre-k and staying with my mom when she was like three and four years old and she she was counting in Spanish she knew her Spanish alphabet sounds like she was on that good pathway and then there's there's nowhere outside of that setting where people are speaking consistent enough Spanish that she heard it outside of that space. She wasn't interested in watching Spanish television because that's not what's happening for other parts of the house, like things like that, um, that I do feel guilty about not pushing more now that she's a little bit older and certainly has lost most of what she had been. And is only sometimes interested in, hey, how do you say that in Spanish? Or, oh, is that person speaking Spanish? So I certainly feel this on a parenting level. A couple things to say, and, and I'm, I appreciate that you brought forward that Urban Dictionary says specifically um, Mexican or, yeah, Mexican generational kids who are in this category. Because, as we know, not all of Latin America speak Spanish. There are some who um, are still speaking in their indigenous languages. There are some in in different countries who are speaking Portuguese, but they are still considered under the umbrella of the Latina community. So I appreciate that you brought that forward because that's one of the things. It's like Bocha spoke to a very larger umbrella of Latina descendants, and the Nosavo kid speaks to a very specific country of origin in my view of it because you can't put everybody under the umbrella of speaking Spanish and even in in Mexico not everybody speaks Spanish as well some are still speaking their indigenous languages um and the second part is you know you have a very unique situation with your kid um and I think this is a very like because I'm a step parent and because my kids are white I didn't think it would be a necessity, I guess, to teach Spanish. Um, also, who am I to, to teach Spanish because I'm not a fluent Spanish speaker? But, you know, that <laughs> that is true, to, to the ties to the culture of it. Like, 
your kid, it might be more important for you and have a special undertone of teaching Spanish because of the cultural ties. Whereas for me and my stepkids, it would be, oh, this might be helpful, but you don't have the cultural ties as if you were biologically mine. I mean, growing up, I know we've had the conversation as bochas ourselves that there is a very, there's a strategic reason why you and I have different varying levels of Spanish. And, and a lot of that came from that shame that our ancestors were put under trying to assimilate in this country. Um, I, the benefit my child has from not speaking Spanish now is that me and my mom get to talk about adult shit without her understanding. So it's like a whole different level of, um, but you know, it, at this point it's, and, and we get to that whole, it's a skill and an asset when a white male high schooler is learning a second language, but when you're trying to teach English as another language or when Spanish is a language that's frequently spoken in a home of someone who that is their ancestral language. Um, well, before colonization, we're not going to get into that, but it, it's a whole other thing, right? Like it loses, it, it's not special anymore. It's like a second level, second class citizen type of shit, which is so crappy and unfortunate. You know, uh, you just, you kind of dismissed it as like colonization, then that's a whole other conversation. Well, not dismissed it, but you, that's a whole other conversation for sure. But the reality is, is like, wait, you're making fun of someone for not speaking a colonizer language. Can we make fun of you from your (laughs) country of origin for not speaking your, your indigenous language of origin? Like how assimilated are you that you couldn't even speak the real mother tongue? Agreed. Yeah. Some of y'all act like your ancestors didn't come here rape and pillage because they didn't want to be told what to do in their mother country. <laughs> right. You're acting like you forgot. Right. And that is a double assimilation and something that I've been wrapping my brain around of like, we assimilated once, our ancestors assimilated once, and now we're assimilating all over again in a new country and it's a double layer of like we have lost so many ties to the indigeneity because that's the reality is that's what makes us in the latin american countries um from in my case mexico specific that's what makes us different is our indigeneity not the spaniard side not that european side it is the indigeneity and so we've double assimilated already how many generations through Mm -hmm. absolutely Yeah, so people, I mean, our ancestors probably learning, transitioning from an indigenous language to the Spanish language were probably like no sabo kids of the old school. Right. They were pochos of the old school. (laughs) OG no sabos. Exactly. So as a parent whose child is living with this new technology, probably will get into TikTok at some point or something similar, right? And will 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 make their own way through being a nosabo kid, per you know per mm-hmm. Urban Dictionary. How like what thoughts do you have about that? Definitely, again, the guilt of not exposing her more to that language opportunity because I think it's an opportunity not only to to connect deeply with where we came from but also um in in the world speaking more than one language is is an asset um, particularly when that's our neighboring country 
I think it makes me also hope though that she get that's something that she wants to do that she will pursue that um I get I, I don't know I hear like five billion commercials a day for all kinds of people that promise to teach you another language in five minutes or less or whatever the hell so you know there's definitely opportunities out there um and just the confidence, hoping that there's confidence regardless of the social message. Somebody telling you you should be or shouldn't be something else based on your heritage, based on your body type, based on your hair color, or if it's curly or straight or whatever, that there's a confidence knowing where she came from in our household that mm -hmm. makes her feel like I am proud of who I am regardless of knowing another language or not. Um, or having a certain body type or not or whatever that's my hope seemingly there's so there you know there was one level of we didn't have the, the this technology growing up so we didn't we weren't bombarded with we were bombarded in other ways but not in our social media ways of like tell shaming us for for that aspect like being mm -hmm. a bocha we were mm -hmm. just told that in the in the school hallways or under under the mm -hmm. under breaths but it just seems like an extra level of um microaggression or trauma that new generations are having to go through of of that shame and not living right you're too brown for some areas and not brown enough for your other areas of your family so living in that it's like there's a whole new level of shame on that um and yeah that that's a that's a thought process that i have for my you know my family my my brother's kids who are in massachusetts who don't have that even geographical tie that we grew up with mm -hmm. at the very least um but they would see that online you know they hear that message of like oh my last name is latine but i'm definitely a nosabo kid cuz i can't even understand mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and just having to deal yeah. with that yeah it's it's just another thing for people to talk shit about and i hope <laughs> you know i hope again that there's just a base foundation of of self pride and family pride that that can take her beyond that because the internet's a scary fucking place for for people who are who are established in their own selves and their own being. So for people that are developing those, that that self-esteem and confidence and all of that, it is, it's a rough place, rough place. Truth. We're going to have a new gen of No Sabo podcast um, right alongside the Bocha podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, <baby>. <laughs> and <laughs> we'll like be, it. we'll be the grandparents in comparison to those podcasters. And there's will be <laughs> that much more. They'll be actually active on TikTok doing yes. videos. <laughs> exactly. um, but from one side of our heritage to another and seeing a reflection of ourselves, the Latine umbrella on, um, in, in media, there's a new movie out, um, <gasps> Encanto. And if you haven't seen it, you may have a couple spoiler alerts in here. But I mean, let's face it, everywhere you turn, people are talking about Encanto anyway online. So you probably have seen some of the premises of the movie already and how it ends. But so Charlene, you watched it, right? I did. How much? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. How much tissue did you go through? 
oh my gosh, I was the only one crying, which also made me feel stupid. I went on a, this was last year. So I went on a field trip with my daughter and her, and her school. And um, I'm looking around like as I'm crying and no one else is crying. I was like, am I just the only one who's, I, am I PMSing? What is happening here? But I definitely cried. Not like, not like the Coco crying. Mm. That was an all out. I cannot even control myself crying. This was a more just sentimental cry, a tearing up, if you will. Mm. Yeah. Same. I, I got in my feels by the end of it. Like, and I also got in my feels about when they're going through and they're talking about the different siblings in that family. So the premise of the movie, it takes place in, in a, in a hidden little village uh, in the mountains of Colombia, which is a great thing because it's not, this particular movie isn't put into that. Oh, Mexico represents every single country of Latin America. So it was beautiful to see that this is a completely different setting for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a uh, revolves around a family who, Encanto, enchanted or magical. So it has a couple familial things in there or familiar things in there, like the magic of the storytelling that we have in Latin America. Um, And it's just, it was just so beautifully put together. But when they're going through the, you know, the character traits of the different folks, um, the heaviness that one character takes on as part of her magic, her magic is being able to lift all these things that like resonated because it's like oh my god we do lift a lot of things in our family and we are magic for that um another character who has to be perfect and is tired of being perfect and the magic within ourselves that we are sometimes that character in our own family where we just can't mess up like the expectation Mm -hmm. is that we have to continue whether it's education, whether it's having our own family. So that's what got me in my feels is the representation of those characters and how it resonated within my own family. And yeah, I had to go through several tissues on that. Yeah, I I, I love that you brought up that it is set in Colombia and the characters are all morenitos or black. They're all, mm-hmm. they have their rizos, they have curly hair, they're their body types are not like the Barbie skinny, you know, they have a little thickness to them. Um, Some of the characters have a full on, you know, the belly, like it's just that representation alone. I know there's been a couple of things that have come across my feed where there's little kiddos who have very similar features who are just so proud to see themselves represented that way. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, And it gives us, you know, when, when we typically have thought about Colombia and recent media, it's not focused on the people. It's not focused on the food. It's not focused on the ecosystem, the animals, the plant life. It's cartel. It's mm-hmm. cartel shit. And that is the thing that people take away when you think of Colombia is cartel, drug trade, dangerous, violent. This shows us the family piece of it. It shows us this familia and the, the community where they live and the people that are willing to help and the people that they trust to be their neighbors. Um, so that part was a big deal for me as well they also they just picked up a golden globe for best animated film also for best original score this is the first soundtrack that has made the top billboard charts in over two years and if you again have not seen this movie um or your kids have not forced you to watch it five million times the music is so good it is so good 
Um, I think for a week after we watched it, we just walked around saying, thinking about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. Like it's still a thing in our house because it's so catchy. Um, and the particular character that you're talking about, Kat, Luisa, which is the sister who's physically strong, but also as you get into her story, talks about how that it sits so heavy with her and how she's afraid that if, if that's not what she is, then she's no one. If she's not a product of her output, then she's nothing. Um, and true with all of the characters, you know, they talk about the, the sister who's perfect. If she's not perfect, then she's nothing. And a lot of it stems back to the grandma. And that was hard to watch, I think. Because um, I definitely grew up with a mom who was very strict and very much you are, when you leave our house, you are presenting, you are showing the world what our family is. And so you need to present yourself well. Um, so that was, I think that's part of what got to me really was that that whole feeling that you need to be perfect. Just, just all of that relationship between the grandma and the rest of the family. Um, the character that, so who was your favorite character? Tell me who your favorite was. Hard to pick. Um, I think my favorite was um, probably Luisa just because that resonated so hard with me of like the burden of carrying so many things. And yes, when you leave the steps of your home, you're representing your family, you're representing that portion of the person who carries all of the things. So I think she was my favorite because, because of that, because she resonated so hard. So, you know, m other people might say like the main character would be theirs, but de I think mine is like one of the kind of side ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you? I loved Bruno. Mm. I loved him. I, I mean, one, because John Leguizamo is the voice. Love John Leguizamo. I loved hearing that familiar voice and knowing who the person was behind the character. Uh, but it, it spoke to me a lot about um, people that live with mental illness mm -hmm. and people that have to live sort of in the shadows of, of their family because their, their gifts may be misunderstood or... Um, not seen in the same ways. So that really resonated with me. The part that like, forget it, the tears, there's a part where um, they discover that he's been living inside the house. Uh, yeah, right. And when he's looking through the, like there's a little hole in the wall, excuse me, and he has painted himself a little placemat. So it's like he's sitting to mm -hmm. eat with alongside the, oh my God, forget it. I was like, oh my God, he just lost his family. Like lost it. Um, but I think I loved Bruno. I also really, really loved, and you're right. I did love the main character and she, by the end you learned that her, she didn't, she didn't get seen for her gifts or have her gifts celebrated, but it was there the whole time. Like she was part of the reason the whole family was staying together and she deeply cared about her family so, so much. And that was the gift. So I think, um, again, that that's a lot of pressure, a pressure that I think you and I both feel a lot mm. and talk about, you know, how do we keep our families together? How do we show love for our families? How do we, how do we hold space for them in times of COVID, in times of illness, even before COVID, in hard times where, you know, family members are dealing with different situations. So, yeah, I, I, I loved all of it, to be honest. And I think after, you know, this is a, a Lin-Manuel Miranda production um after maybe the fiasco with in the heights uh i think maybe he might have got a little cred back with this one 
a little a little redemption and and but I, I don't know that he has he did the music certainly but I don't know how much he had to do with all the characters and the representation in there but true, hopefully true. being part of this he did get some uh, credibility back but um you know to your point like it's interesting that you brought forward yes about Bruno Bruno um you brought forward the mental illness piece and I was like that reminds me of being gay and how you have mm-hmm. to live in the shadows and we just don't talk about mm-hmm. that cousin or or yes it, I, I would say myself but I came out at early enough where I was like that you're just gonna have to kind of deal with it so I understood it but it, it didn't quite resonate quite as much because I just I've had the privilege of being out right there's a lot of people who don't have that privilege so seeing how it could be mental illness it could as the gift or it could even be your queerness as the gift but having to live in the shadows and you take us you take a a significant step back from being with the rest of the family for that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think he he represents that quote-unquote black sheep of the family you know that for whatever reason Mm -hmm. in that particular family there's a person that may not fit in quite exactly like everyone else or or doesn't have it in them to pretend like the others are right. to fit in. Right. And have yeah, your seat it, at the table. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also, I, I did love the music. I know we talked about the Bruno, but the song that Luisa sings is so powerful when she's talking about it's, it's the constant drip, drip, drip. Like it's not one big thing. It's the layers of it constantly being a pressure that is happening for you that creates this intolerable thought that you need to be perfect all the time. All the time we have to be perfect or we're nothing. We've talked about that in so many ways about work, about um, even the podcast, you know, even wh- whatever we put out into the world, we have this sense that we have to be perfect because there's so much writing on it. Our ancestors are depending on us. They fought and bled for us to have this opportunity. What are we doing with it? Is it enough? All of those things put into the one character whose body type is phenomenal. I am so proud that they put her being this giant, strong, deep-voiced human um, in this character. I... Uh, yeah, I, I loved that song so much, too. So how you're a giant music person. How did what did you think about the music? So, yes, I loved it. It has the hip hop elements and, and it incorporates, um, you know, la, the Latina beats. Um, it was definitely Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like y- you could hear mm-hmm. it, Hamilton in the Heights and Encanto mm-hmm. kind of there. There's some similarities as, you know, like. As with any artist, there are similarities mm-hmm. across the board. We wouldn't ex- necessarily expect or anticipate that Lin-Manuel would do a, a country musical, but it it was his music is just fun to sing. And it's not just mm-hmm. for the production. It's stuff that you can sing outside of, that you can, hell, TikTok, that you can karaoke, mm-hmm. that you can... And you can't say that about a lot of... Um, animated series like or musicals for that like Broadway musicals and so he has that gift to be able to have it translate from you know your every average everyday uh hip-hop station into the musical or the production that it goes with so I loved it 
I absolutely love that soundtrack. Yeah, well, a lot of people do. Like I said, it's hitting Billboard um, records. It is smashing downloads on Spotify, particularly the the Bruno song. People can't get it out of their heads. Um, I certainly still can't. Now that we're talking about it, I'm sure I will have it in my head for the next several hours. And I think Bruno is is Bruno is one of the characters that people might resonate with a lot. The song is catchy, but also his character is catchy because I think there's a lot of things that we are stigmatized or shamed about that we don't bring to the table that we have to hide. Whether it's mm-hmm. something um, that that might quite be as obvious as our our gender identity, our sexuality, our mental illness, or something else that's that is about our character that we can't or our our personality that we can't bring forward because we have to have this sheen of perfection and we're we're representing our family the whole time so i think maybe everybody has a little bruno in them and that's and and mm-hmm. the song is catchy so yeah he might be everybody's favorite pobre bruno pobre bruno Oh, you are listening to Bruno's two favorite fans in the Pocha podcast in Episodio 34. I'm Kat. I'm Shari. And New Year, New Resolution? I don't know. Um, We did talk a little bit about resolutions this time last year. And since, you know, it feels like (laughs) 2021 2.0, so 2022, um, resolutions goals and this is something we talked about at the end of December as well in our weedy weedy with Yvette Bowden was um what what do we lift up for a new year and um I'll start you know I want to toss this to you like is this of importance to you at the beginning of the new year is to have goals or resolutions or what have you I used to be a big resolutions person um I also used to be a big not keeping your resolutions person and feeling like a complete <laughs> failure by March person. So. <laughs> no, very, but very true. Um, in attempts to not add things that make me feel like a failure to my life, uh, I don't think that resolutions are a thing that work for me. What I think I've turned to a little bit more in the last few years is building habits that I hope will stick. Um, I last year I know that I I really was like I need to drink more water like silly things like that um well silly not silly you won't you'll die if you don't have enough water I guess that's not silly but it is something I I tried to work on throughout the year I've gotten better at but it was because I needed a habit I I found ways that work for me like not just January 1 I'm gonna drink more water but like putting it in my planner or having one of those little check mark boxes mm. making sure that I'm keeping you know, flavored water or like lemon or whatever it is near my desk at all times so that I have it accessible. So there's no excuses, all those types of things. Um, And this year, I really, I think there's just more things that I'm willing to focus on. I am a worrier and overthinker. I know there's a saying that says like, um, worrying is prayers for things you don't want. And Mm. I'm really trying to stick with that. What am I giving energy to? I mean, there's a million parables about this. You know, the two wolves, which is the one you feed. That's the one that will grow. Like all of those things. I'm just trying to keep those in my mind. And I tend to get worked up about things. And I'm I'm really trying to let some of that go. Um, Because it's not healthy. It doesn't fix anything. It's not something that helps me to get to the other side with the solution. So just really trying to be 
to give myself a little more grace around some things um, and and have a more positive mindset, which is, I don't know, it sounds like a very abstract thing, but I'm working on, I'm going to try to find ways like the drinking water to make it concrete so that I'll actually do it. And it does have a, like a lasting impact. Hydration, okay, kids, here's us momming you. Hydration has a <laughs> lasting impact on a whole bunch of pieces to not just your body, but your soul, your demeanor, your energy, all of the things. Um, mm-hmm. In reflecting on resolutions versus goals versus habits, I I have at, in my age, and I'm 40, a young 45, um, I've looked back to, to what resolutions I had before and how they have changed. And it, it almost feels like, and I can't, I don't have one, you know, specifically um, in mind, but it almost felt like when I was younger, my resolutions were more flippant. And so it's almost like I set myself up for failure so that by March, I wasn't meeting them. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. that I'm older, I'm like, okay, but, but literally, how am I taking care of myself? And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's an age or if that's a change in culture where we are now trying to emphasize intentional intentionality and self-care and being present with, uh, with ourselves, with our gente, with our work. But it just does feel like my goals are different now that I'm older. And um, like you, I'm trying to just build better habits. Some of them are because, you know, as you get older, your body's damn falling apart. So I need a, <laughs> to have some built in. Like, let's be let's be real. You know, familially, I, I have um, high cholesterol running in the family. So I have to be serious about or get a little bit more serious building better habits about keeping that in my mind because you know my pops is already gone I don't want to have my kids miss out on me at a younger age um but do it in a way that's not macabre or doesn't feel like do it or else you're gonna die but just do it in a way that's like okay realistically what does make you feel better in the morning can you live without that extra five cups of coffee you know and again, let's mom you about the hydration in the water. We live in a damn desert. That has an impact, you know, long term on how we're doing every day. For sure. I And you say age may have something to do with it, and I do think that's true. I also think that living in a constant state of terror over the last two years mm. has added to, I just can't do it anymore. Like, I, I can't. Like, I physically cannot keep worrying about what's going to kill us today because it's exhausting um and and hearing the stories and reading the news and it's it's overwhelming and exhausting so there has to be way a way to reclaim some of that energy in ways that are nourishing and that are helpful because the worrying is um out of control in my brain so trying to just take some of that And to your point, you know, for the longevity, like we're, if we want to be here for the long term, what does that look like in our food, in our diet, in our getting physical activity and not just sitting at a desk eight hours straight without ever getting up? Like what, what can that look like for us? Like we don't need to live this way, people. Fair. Um, So to, to that end, like what other than water, hydration, what habits have, are you aiming for this year? Um, I definitely want to have a, a better focus on mental health and just 
integrate some of the things I enjoy in life more into my daily routine because like I just said I I can get in a terrible habit of just sitting at my desk for eight hours now that we have moved to virtual things it's tempting to feel I mean in real life before pandemic you could have three meetings in a day because you had travel time you had to get up and go somewhere you had all of these things maybe even travel to another city like there was movement there was activity around you now you can have 16 meetings in a day and never leave your desk if you're working from home not good not good for anybody like this is not healthy um so taking a little better control of of that situation is a huge one for me and also really being focused on um it feels like everybody on apparently i followed a few people on social media who are you know these people who and they're they're women of color mostly well they're all women of color who have created some type of business who have started some sort of life that they love that they're now on yachts and you know living in tulum for a month at a time and all of these things i'm not saying i'm going to be like that but it makes me think that if we want to build generational wealth for our families and ourselves um, there's got to be a better way than like my little savings account getting 0.00001% interest. There's got to be a better way. So educating myself a little bit more on what that could look like uh, and and figuring something out because there's got to be a better way. Ooh. What about you? Oh, you went, you went super deep on there. Um, yeah. You know what? Like I have, I have the privilege of um, having a really good counselor And over the last year, I have been sitting in some piles of emotional baggage that is just, let me tell you. But one thing that I did learn from that is um, sitting in those emotions doesn't kill me. What kills me is Mm. when I don't sit in it, I put it in my Mm -hmm. pocket and I keep adding stuff there and it just Mm -hmm. eventually comes out in terrible ways, either physically or I lash out at coworkers or, or even worse family, not even worse. You are a coworker and family, but you know what I mean? Like those around me (laughs) get, get the shit into that stick. Oh, it is worse. Yeah. So my, my habit is, and I'm trying to be incredibly aware of, of being like, okay, I'm instead of I'm feeling overwhelmed, let's go cope with it by doing this. It's okay. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Let's sit with this for a second to see where that's coming from. And, mm-hmm. and if I can't within, you know, a couple minutes try to figure it out, we're going to revisit this. This isn't over because I don't want this to pop up in unhealthy ways like an emotional reaction at something that's said to me, which I can do yep. very easily. And my favorite – and my counselor's like, what's your favorite um, feeling? Anger. That's how it comes out a lot of times. It's just I'm angry pantaloons in, in ways. Mm. So I think that's my – on my biggest habit changer and of course water let me mom you again about water Um, (laughs) (laughs) momming is one of my other favorite activities it really is Um, it really is and dad jokes i'm just walking around (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm that's what i'm trying to to do and hopefully that'll come out in other ways and create better habits in other ways like um better coping methods um Instead of always leaning in on a bottle, like, can we lean in on going for a walk and what that would feel like? 
So hopefully this will be a springboard for other habits that I create. But for now, I'm, I'm trying to be intentional just about doing this one habit for sure that will that has really it has I've seen a significant change in how I deal with things and instead of a sarcastic comment right back that's that spirals into a a fight about nothing with my partner it's like okay I Mm. hear you that made me sad or whatever let's let me deal with that first before I take it out on you or or have it show up in in horrible ways Uh, I think we're evolving I think we're growing up this is tough work though I don't know sometimes I don't want to do it the reality no seriously though sometimes I don't want to do it it's so easy to fall back into an awful habit that I had before so how are you going to keep yourself from falling back um I don't you know I don't have a system of accountability in that because there's it's not just like a pat on the back. Sometimes you want something tangible that makes you feel good about doing mm-hmm. that thing. I don't have what that is just yet other than mm-hmm. being able to say like, oh, good on me. I didn't fall apart in that emotion that I was feeling and I'm okay and I can continue doing being me. So I don't know yet. And that's a good point. Like how do you create a habit without having some kind of star sticker system or you know something what do you do what, what's yeah. your accountability you're gonna get a behavior chart i like it <laughs> hey it worked when we were kids why not um well i think the the money one i could probably set some realistic specific goals around that you know um that that one feels a little more quantitative and and tangible um but the other one i don't know that's a good question i i need to really i I have a coach, I have a, a call set up. I think that's probably something that I will talk through. What are some ways that I can make this tangible so that not only am I holding myself accountable for doing it, but I can see progress, which is motivating instead of like, oh, there's another time I said I was going to do some shit that I didn't do. So I'm, I'm working on it. Work Let's in check progress. back in, Kat. <laughs> Halfway point in 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 June, July, that'll be our like accountability it. with the with the podcast. Right. And actually, I do want to have some account- accountability with the podcast itself. Like, how much more can we grow? People tell your friends. Um, so then, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> Absolutely, find us on Instagram. Um, you know, but for sure, like I want to have some good habits about the podcast so that we can grow because I think we are interesting and people would listen. Give us half a chance. Agreed. We think we're awesome. I know. We say it uh, all the time. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't. Woo. I like it. Anything else for the new year that will not make it a rerun of 2020 and 2021? Oh God, I hope that uh, a lot of things make it not a rerun. We'll just see. Um, I would love to hear from our listeners what they are planning to do to make this a better year for themselves. If you have intentions, resolutions, habits that you're leaning into, drop us a line, send us an email, um, answer us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a TikTok account. I don't think we've used it yet. We're going to have to make that a goal this year, Kat. Ooh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, okay, okay, we'll do a couple. We'll, we'll, we'll hold ourselves accountable to doing a couple and like see it. how that goes. Get your dance Look moves ready. Olds. Look at the olds. They're on the TikTok. No, you'll hear our bones crack and our, and yeah. our, yeah, all the things. It'll be entertaining in that sense, if nothing else. 
Agreed. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Pocha podcast at the intersection of resolutions and habits, but also assimilation and brown pride. I'm Kat. I'm Charlene. Charlene, other than um, listening to the podcast, and you mentioned them before, but let's give ourselves another plug. Where can people find us? Yes, please reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials, TikTok, Twitter. Um, and we are on most major podcast platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, you can find us all over the place. You can ask Alexa to play Pocho Podcast. And please, if you haven't, leave us a review. We'd love it if it was five stars, but, you know, be honest. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep our heads high and, and work with your comments. And for a couple of our Weedy Weedies, we've actually posted those interviews on YouTube. So you can see yes. what we were right. doing, where we were at in our virtual world doing a couple of interviews. But um, till the next time, this has been Episodio 34, and we'll see you on the flip side. Bye.